Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been, uh, we had some things going on recently, like homecoming and you know, things that, like that have, that have kind of got us into uh, some other, other types of uh, scripture as far as other places. Um, it's, it's, um, it's sometimes it's hard to go all the way through a whole book of the Bible, especially one like Hebrews. And when you get to a very special chapter like chapter 11, that Hall of Faith chapter, um, you know, you could spend so much time on each and every person that is mentioned here. You know, it's like last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, you know, I could have spent an hour on Gilgal. Just that one word. But good for everybody here listening. I couldn't stay there because Elijah said, we got to go on. We got to go to Bethel. So even though I could have spent an hour on Gilgal, I had to move on to Bethel. And then when you start breaking down Bethel, you could stay there for an hour. But he said, no, we got to move on to Jericho and each and every place. Uh, so last, last Sunday, you got the 35-minute version of that sermon that on Tuesday night, the guys at the jail, they got a full hour. They got an hour's worth of it. So before last, last, so, so last Sunday before service started, I'm back here trying to figure out how to get it down. I knew I wasn't going to have much time on homecoming because uh, there were so many other things that were going on. And I figured that I was only going to have about 20 minutes so I was back there trying to figure out how to get that message down to 20 minutes. And I don't think I ever looked at my notes at all and just did what I did last week. It ended up being, uh, when I looked at the podcast, it was like a 35-minute. But that was a whole lot of stuff. Like I said, Tuesday night, it was a good hour. And I even left out some things that I realized later that I, that I said here that I didn't say there. But anyway, so we're going to uh, talk about Abraham now. So notice, notice how many verses out of this, uh, chapter 11, are associated with Abraham. So Abraham must be really important. There must be some things that we need to see about Abraham because there are so many verses here. Um, if you look back at 7 uh, about Noah, that's only one verse. And in, almost everybody knows Noah. Alright, starting with verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. That's the key word right there. So, by faith, Abraham, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't even know. So he was called to go out and to go look for something, and he didn't even know where to go. And moment by moment, day by day, he would have to follow the leading of God and he didn't even really know where he was going. Nine, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise 
as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we're going we're to try to cover these three verses. And notice that in verse 10 it says, He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. There was a city that he was told to look for, and it, the foundations are there, but that's all, we are, that's all we see right here, that the foundations were there. And who made the foundation? And was there a great city whose builder and maker is God that is no longer there, but the foundations are still there? Just think about that. Now, some people will say this is only referring to a place that he would never find on earth. But I think that this place, this city that he was supposed to look for, 400 years after this, a nation called Israel would be set up, and there would be a city called Jerusalem that everything revolved around. Do you know, something I didn't realize, that there, have, there has been, through archaeological digs, there has been a massive foundation found in Jerusalem where you can see that there was a huge building and buildings, even part of the foundations that were found. Now, they think that these foundations are from 4000 B.C. Well, that's the time of uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's with how they're dating these foundations. So it wouldn't be the temple that Solomon built. It would be way before that. And they're trying to fig- they were just trying to figure out what would have been here back then. And who would have built it? Well, this says built by God. Interesting. So they, they noticed in the foundation that there was a part of the foundation that was three parts that would match up a temple perfectly. Isn't that interesting? So we'll refer back to those verses a little bit later, but let's go to uh, this, you know, Abraham is back in Genesis. So turn to Genesis chapter 12. Notice we're only covering those three verses because the story of Abraham is very long in Genesis. So there's many other verses that we'll get to later on. But here in uh, chapter 12, we're going to see a little bit in more more detail of what uh, we just read in uh, Hebrews 11. You had Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto... Now this is before Abraham's name was changed to Abraham, so it's Abram. Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee... Listen to these, all right, these next two verses, listen to this very carefully, and we can count. This is the covenant that God made with Abraham. 
He says, and I will make of thee a great nation. There's one. I will bless thee. That's two. And make thy name great. That's three. And is his name great? Abraham? Oh, yeah. Not only is he the father of the Hebrew people and the line that will lead all the way to Christ, and he, by anybody who believes the way Abraham believed, all of us can join in by faith to Abraham. All of us. And the nation Ishmael came from him as well. And they are a great nation as well. So his name is great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Absolutely. Because like I just said, Jesus came from him. That's four. That's the fourth thing. That's the fourth thing. And Jesus came from the fourth son of Jacob, Judah. Four is, is uh, significant in that. And I, this is verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee. That's five. And curse him that curseth thee. That's six. Cursing, number of man, the sixth one. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Number seven. That perfect number seven. Yes, anybody can enter into salvation through Jesus Christ because of that last part of that covenant right there. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was, in the, was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land... So, all of the land over in that area... See, when you look at the map and you see Israel today, it's a very small portion of what really belongs to them. There's so much more land there that is theirs because God gave it to them. But, they've only possessed about 10% of what God has given to them. Just like we today... Uh, all the promises and all the blessings that God has given us that we can see in the Word of God, most people don't possess more than 10%. We leave so much behind because we don't have enough faith to take all the things that God has made available to us. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. So they end up at Bethel. So, so last Sunday, talking about the significance of Bethel, that house of God, and so that's where he ends up right there. Now, when he gets there, 
if you was to read the rest of this, you're going to see where he's going to start to have some doubts. He's going to start focusing on the worldly things that we are so apt to do as human beings. You can have all the blessings of God, all the promises, but you'll be like Peter stepping out of the boat and actually walking on the water, and then he takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at all the commotion around him and he, he loses that connection and down he goes. So Abraham, his name is Abram at this time, he ends up being moved to the wrong place by famine and he tells little lies out of self-preservation, what he thought, and he puts his wife in a very bad situation and he puts the nation that he has gone into in a bad situation and then he uh, is able to leave that place and he moves on Let's, let's read in 14. Let's move over to chapter 14. All right. Now, you know, you know about Lot. Everybody know about Lot? Lot was his nephew. And Lot represents a Christian who, I'm just saying, that if you want to see him as a type and picture, he would be a type and picture of a person who believes on Jesus They have a salvation experience, but they are so consumed with worldly things that they never ever get anywhere close to the potential that they would have as a Christian. Abraham is the type of the person who obeys and steps out in faith and does the things that God's called him to do even though you can't see where you're going. You just walk in faith. You do the things that the Bible says because you trust the person who wrote it. All right? Think about, all right, faith, true faith obeys. That first verse we read back in, in uh, Hebrews eleven eight, 8, that by faith Abraham, even though he was given some strange instructions, he obeys. Why? Why does he obey? Now, people will say, well, look, because he obeyed, that's what what saves him. No. None of us obeys because we don't have enough sense to do so. Something has to happen to you before you actually obey, before you do the right things, before you do good works, you have to have an experience. And I think Abraham... He believed God. It was that simple. He believed God, and then God counted that as righteousness. So, faith obeys, not just talks about it. You know, we can talk all the talk we want to talk, but until we actually do the things we say we believe, then it's just talk. We've got to do things that God's called us to do. And it makes me, I was, when I was prepping this, Shawshank Redemption popped into my mind. Y'all know what that is? It's a movie. Another movie. Now, the only reason I watched that movie is because I had done jail ministry for many years, and somebody I know, because of the jail ministry, thought I would be interested in that movie, Shawshank Redemption. 
And it is a fabulous movie. I absolutely loved it. And there's, it's about a man named Andy who is falsely accused of a double murder involving his wife and his wife's lover. And the way everything fell, fell, fell into place, it was a hard case for him, and he goes to prison. Well, he meets... He's not supposed to be there. He knows he didn't do it. Now, in the movie, you're kind of wondering, you know, did he do it? Did he not? And he goes in there as a very brilliant man, and he, he's, he's a, like a financial-type person, and the warden at the jail sees what he can get out of him because of his brilliance. The warden was an embezzler. He, he was a false uh, believer. He carried the Bible around, he talked about the Bible, but he was, uh, he was the son of the devil, is what he really was. You know, we have a lot of those. We have a lot of people who will carry the Bible around and act like they're something special because they carry a Bible around, but yet they're really uh, a deceiver. And they're only using the, the blessings of God for their personal gain. That's what they're after. And that's what this warden was doing. So the warden used him, used Andy, and was starting to gain big time financially by all the stuff this guy was able to hide. And they were putting all this money into uh, fake accounts, uh, fake identities. And one day in the future, this warden was going to retire, and he was going to go out and collect all this money that was being put, you know, embezzled and put in all these places. Well... He underestimated just how smart Andy was, and Andy was developing a plan that if he ever escaped, he would get to it first. While he was there for many, many years, there were was, was several people that he became friends with at the, at the prison, and one of them was the character played by Morgan Freeman. And I think his name was Red in the movie, and Red could get you anything you wanted. He was that guy. And they became good friends. And when it came time for Andy to make his big escape, he left behind something for Red. You remember what he left? He, remember, he, he left a letter for him. And it told him that if he, when he, if he ever got out, that he needed to go to a place, and you need to go to this intersection, you need to look for this whatever, he was, he was describing these uh, features in the landscape, and he said, you walk up this old rock fence, it was, like, it was like a border of rocks, and you go up and there's this huge tree, and under there you'll find a black stone, you dig around, you find it, and, you, and, and if you get under that, you'll find a stash of money, or you'll find something, I can't remember exactly what he said, but you're going to find something, and use that to come find me, where I'm at, and because he was going to be in Mexico or something, because he escaped. Some beautiful island somewhere. All right, <clears throat> when Red gets out, he takes that letter, and he pursues that, which could have been a wild goose chase, but the, the fellowship and relationship that he had with Andy, he trusted him. He trusted that there would be something there if he went to find it. Now that, put, that shows a faith that 
Red had for his friend that he wouldn't lead him astray. And he went and followed the directions that were in the letter, and he went and he found this big sum of money. And he could have just went, did whatever he wanted with it, but he actually wanted to go find his friend, and he used the money to go and to find Andy. And that's what happened, and that's how the movie ended. Jesus is in this book. He has given us a letter. And we can use this for personal gain, or we can use this and use those blessings to get to Jesus. And we need to see that. We need to see that Abraham walked by faith because he trusted the person who wrote the letter. Do you trust the person who wrote this for us? And do you, do you love them to where you want this to lead you to that city whose builder and maker is God? Do you want to go there? Well, here's the directions right here. So in 14, after Lot, who is that example of those who are severely backslidden, and they're drawn to Sodom. They like the safety, where they think safety and security in a city. Abraham, he, notice tabernacles and how they dwelt in tabernacles. That's something that can be moved. See, certain people want security in the world and they'll build a big, huge house, and that shows they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> they love the pleasures of this world, and that's what they want, and they're comfortable there. But a person who is ready to go, like Abraham, they, they, they lived in tents, and they had tabernacles, and a tabernacle is something you can uproot and take and set it up where you're going. And Abraham was always looking for that city. He was not tied down to this world. He was looking for a better place. So Lot gets himself in a really bad spot. All, so there was a bunch of kings who joined together to fight against the king or kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and a couple other cities that were bad. And those kings defeated Sodom and Gomorrah's kings and they took a bunch of people captive and took all their things and they're getting away and Abraham doesn't even know anything about this until somebody who escaped ran to Abraham and said, uh, this is what has happened and he told him the whole story and Abraham's probably like, yeah, well, they're getting what they deserve, you know, uh, and it, but they got Lot and he was like, what? They got Lot and he gathered up all of his people all of his men that were trained, I think it was, was it 318 of them? That number's got to be significant, but I have no idea why. But he gathered up, he, he armed them, and they took off and conquered like five kings and all of their armies with that few amount of people because God was with him and God gave him the victory. He, he wiped them out. He, just, he, he, he uh, sent them running. 
he had great victory, and took all the stuff and all the people back. You know, sometimes it's good to be around somebody like a lot, to have him around, because he means something to somebody who can come and deliver you from something like that. As bad as he, he got, and as comfortable as he was in Sodom, Abraham was still willing to risk his life to come save him. Did he deserve it? Maybe not. But does any of us deserve to be saved? We don't. But Jesus is going to, he's offered it anyway. He's come after us. So Abraham has come back, and he's got all the spoils of the battle, all this stuff, and the people... And look at 14, verse 17 says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shavah, which is the king's dale. Listen to this. And Melchizedek, king of Salem brought forth bread and wine. Who's Melchizedek? Now, we talked about him in Hebrews chapter 7. He was mentioned, I think, in 6, and then, of course, it would have been chapter 7 that Melchizedek is mentioned in, in, in very great detail. We don't get a whole lot of detail right here of who this Melchizedek is, but it really kind of makes you wonder, who is this guy? Uh, priests aren't going to be around for a while. Does, does, doesn't a priest have to come from Aaron? Doesn't a priest have to come from the tribe of Levi? This is strange. How, who is this guy? And he's Melchizedek, king of Salem. That just might be Jerusalem. And where would he, if this is a if this is, uh, all right, let's read a little bit more. He, he, so he brings forth bread and wine. That's very significant, isn't it? We have the bread and the wine once a month here. It represents something very significant. So this guy has brought bread and wine and was the priest of the Most High God. A priest. Where would he be a priest over. Where would be his temple? Could it possibly be the temple that I was referring to that the archaeologists have uncovered the foundations of that was from maybe 4,000 years before Christ? Could it? Something to think about. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. So what it says is, Abraham, who got all the spoil from the battle, when he came back, he gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek, just because we're running out of time, is that Jesus Christ? Is that Jesus? And Abraham is tithing to him, which means that the people that come out of Abraham 
through Isaac, Jacob, and all of Jacob's sons, Levi being one of the sons that come out of the twelve, which means Levi, who was still in the loins of his father, paid tithes. The people who God set up for, for, for the nation of Israel to pay tithes to actually paid tithes through Abraham many, many years before they were ever set up to take in the temple and the priest and all that stuff. So that makes Melchizedek something very, very unique and special that Abraham would tithe to him. Now this city that Abraham was looking for, in Revelation 21.2 it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, the uh, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So many people think that this city, was it's, it's a spiritual city. It's something that he was never going to see because it was... We have, because it's even beyond us. But I think that he was actually looking for Jerusalem. And that also, so you'll argue, people, the theological people will argue over this. And it's, is it actually Jerusalem? Or is it this holy city that Revelation talks about it, the new Jerusalem? Yes, I think it's both. I think Abraham was actually looking for a city that 400 years later would actually be built and a temple would be there. I think he was looking for that. But also, for all of us, when we get into Abraham, that faith of Abraham, and we become blessed by him, we are looking for this new Jerusalem that's going to be coming down from heaven. We are looking for that. Now, I think when that happens, we will all already be in heaven. We will already be the bride of Christ, and we would just be, you know, witnessing all of this, being with Him. Now, if you want, if you want to, we'll probably get into it next week because there's so much more information about Melchizedek that I would like to get into, and. I don't know if you remember me saying it, but a long time ago when we were in Hebrews uh, 7, I was talking about how there's so much more deep meaning to Melchizedek, and we'll get to it at some point. Well, we're finally there. We're finally there. All right, so obeying and then sojourning. Sojourning is a key word in in, uh, talking about Abraham. And then in 10, all right, I'm going back to Hebrews 11. But if you want to read more about uh, Melchizedek, read uh, chapter 7 of Hebrews on your own. We'll go over it probably next week. But in 11, verse 10, uh, or no, in, in 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, Dwelling in tabernacles, notice the, the uh, temporary structure that could be moved with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. 
So you're, you pass, he passed it down to his son. His son passed it down to his son. And then because of the Bible being written, we have this example, and we have passed it down from generation to generation to generation. It's up to every generation to pass this down to the next. Now getting back to the importance of us as Christians. You know, if you're listening to this on, on a podcast or, or uh, just listening to the message, you know, during our joys and concerns time, we were talking about how the world looks at the church basically in disgust over how we can't get along and we've divided up into so many denominations. And there's good reason, but the, for us, it's good reason. A lot, of, a lot of it is for good reason. You know, the reason we separated from a denomination was for good reason, multiple reasons, but the world, the world doesn't really understand all those things, right? The world may not understand that. So there's something very important that we need to understand. And I, this is, I'm going to read a few verses to you out of 1 Peter chapter 2. And then we'll be done. 1 Peter chapter 2. This, this is referring to Abraham being a sojourner. Being, uh, you know, we're not, we're not to be of this world. We're, we're in this world, but not, we're not supposed to be of it, right? And starting with verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation, which, which in the King James Bible means your way of life. You understand that? When you see conversation in the King James Bible, it's talking about your way of life having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold... You know, those people in the world who speak evil of you, being a church person and you're intolerant and all that stuff... They're beholding the good things that you do. And remember, you're doing the good works because of something that you already believe in and you already have faith in God and you're just following the good book, the Holy Scriptures, and those are good works. When you follow and obey what's in the Word of God and the world sees it, so we are being told here that we need to be careful about not being Lot's, uh, Abraham's nephew, Lot. Don't be like Lot because he was a disgrace. He did, he followed worldly things. He got into very much worldly stuff and he lost all of his family. They were, they were, they, he just lost them all. So we need to be more like Abraham, walk after the Spirit. We need to believe what the Word says and through our good works, which those people who talk bad about us will behold. They will, they're seeing it and, they're, and it's making an impression on them whether you, you see it or not. It's happening. The people who fight against you and, and are the worst to you 
might be the ones that you're really affecting by believing the Word of God and living a life that lines up with it. Because sometimes when they start to get convicted, they'll be even more uh, hostile to you. That, that means you might be making a difference. Which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to, uh, be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. See, our government is put in place to protect, and God uses government to punish the evildoers and reward those who do right. And for the praise of them that do well, for, listen, 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Very important that we get that. All right. That's good for today. We will continue on with this next week. And uh, like I said, read, read Hebrews 7 and get very familiar with that and start to know who Melchizedek is. And I think, it, I think that Melchizedek, I think, was Jesus. And I think there was a place in that Jerusalem area that we don't, we don't know about, but the evidence has been found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for all of your many blessings and your promises to us. And Father, we... We hold your holy scriptures very dear. And Father, we need to be a people. We, we know that we need to be like Abraham, Father. We need to be looking for that city whose builder and maker is you, Father. Father, you made it. You built it. And Father, you are possessor of heaven and earth. And Father, we are on the earth right now. Father, we are looking for that holy city that will come down one day. But Father, in the meantime, we need to be followers of you so that we can be a good witness to those who are not looking for that city. And Father, we want everyone that we know to go to that great city with us. And Father, give us the ability, give us the uh, strength that we need to go out into this world that is constantly trying to drag us down and to keep us in bondage. Father, that we would see your ways and that your ways would give us liberty to where we can be free to go out and to do your good works for those who need to know you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.